Anakin. And I'm Molly of Mitchell Sanchez. We're here to take birth control and talk about The Handmaid's Tale. And we're all out of birth control. Thanks, Trump. This is Red All Over, your handy Handmaid's Tale recap. Blessed be the fruit. Wee. All right, we're here. My number one question for you. Yes. Okay, wait. Did probably... I bleed the first time I had sex? And yes. Okay, I didn't. <laughs> I don't think. You were there. I was there? The first time that you had sex? Oh, no. You were there the first time you had sex, presumably. You know, it was a confusing time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, hello. Hello. <laughs> what was your actual question? My actual question is, do you think they mixed up the names of these two episodes of episode five and episode six? Oh, episode five being seeds and episode six being first blood? Yeah. Um, because no. I feel like first blood made a lot... First blood can mean a lot of things in this right. episode. However, where were the seeds in the previous episode? Good point. I there wanna... were no seeds, and there's way more gardening and plant imagery. Oh, shit. You're right. And um, I want to give your question the weight that it deserves. So let me take care of some podcast housekeeping. Yes. Well, I was. Yeah. Anyway. And fine. then we can get into it. I'm sorry. I can't restrain myself. Listen, I'm the one who opened up with virginity stories. So uh, <laughs> you're doing fine. Um, First blood. A virginity story. <laughs> only on free form. That's what that Rambo movie is about. Yeah, right? I know. I quit. There was like a period in my life. A period. Ah. Uh, no, but like I had never seen, I had never seen First Blood. Uh huh. This coworker of mine was like, "You have to see it." I'm mm-hmm. loaning you my DVD, so I mm-hmm. watched it, and then I just let the menu run forever. Oh, I don't know why, uh-huh. but like it was just like you know Sylvester Stallone be like, "They drew First Blood." <laughs> just like it was anyway and for like hours this went on so anyway um, i haven't seen any rambo movie in its entirety but i have seen that end scene where they catch him and he's crying 17 times because that is mitch's favorite go-to drunk and i want to feel sad uh, <laughs> thing mine is a video of uh dogs returning to veterans uh, so oh that's solid sometimes we just have that's a cry solid. of an evening mine would be like for a while there at the end it was definitely burn from oh. hamilton Ooh. on repeat oh girl on repeat feel free to edit this out but you like that burn remix essential oh i loved it Ooh. ah okay listen <laughs> Why couldn't you leave that line in about, I know about whispers, I see the way you look at my sister. That gets Eliza Hamilton a Tony. I fucking stood up at my desk when they're like, they are your legacy. Uh Anyway, edit this out. Yeah. So anyhow, I don't know if we introed that properly, but Lin-Manuel Miranda (laughs) did a Hamill drop of a mix of a bunch of different women who've played Eliza Hamilton singing the first burn first blood first burn this is totally on topic Mm. anyway it's great you should watch it molly posted it to my facebook page which is public so you can find that yeah that ties in perfectly okay now i want to address some listener comments from our facebook page shout out to crystal hill Nanavati, who said she wants more episodes of red all over and she'd listen to us banter about anything she wants more movies and more shows, but she wants us to talk about girls just want to have fun, which uh, maybe I'm not as I've never fond seen that of movie. that. 
Is Parker Posey in that? Uh, not sure. Okay. Is Rachel Lee Cook in it? E- Am I just no. assuming that every movie is Josie and the Pussycat? You're just flipping through any. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back, back Me to too. Josie, Josie. <laughs> Me too. Shout out to Joanne Sanders, who wants us to give it up for the fans in Australia. I think you're going to be mad at us at this point, because we've been doing a trifling Yvonne Strahovski impression this whole time. I think time. they're going to be pissed. Yeah, Serena's pissed. Australia's pissed. I honestly think we do a better Australian accent than Elizabeth Moss did a New Zealand accent in your favorite show, Top of the Lake. God, that fucking snooze fest, <laughs> Top of the Lake. I still haven't watched the second season that has Brianna of Tarth in I it. I know, I kind of want to. McQueen. She's my queen. And the last shout out to everyone who follows us on Twitter. Unfortunately, I'm really bad at keeping up with all of your names. Otherwise, I'd shout you out. But thank you so much for talking to us on Twitter, especially the woman who kicked her fiance out so she could have some alone time and listen to this episode out. she just went on a walk okay well she just thought he was gonna be mad or like she was worried that he would think she was mad at him but she just really wanted to hang out with us take that time girl finally shout out to director at s podcast hell yes they they're an americans podcast i didn't like i don't know why it hasn't occurred to me to process all my feels (laughs) <laughs> about the Americans on a podcast. You were probably drafting a podcast that you would host. So you were doing- <laughs> like, n- people like would ask me and Amy to do it, but mm-hmm. it's one of those things where like, I try to reserve a few pieces of media that are like just for me to enjoy. I know that you think I want everything to be content, uh-huh. but my relationship with the Americans is near marital. Wow. I love it so much. It's the best depiction of a marriage I've ever seen. Whoa. And it is also cuckoo bananas. Wow. And there's hella wigs and Matthew wow. Reese is super hot. Carrie Russell is super hot. Mm-hmm. A lot of hot people Oof. killing other people, putting them into suitcases. Mm. V disturbing. Gross. You probably wouldn't like it. No, I would not. But either way, I do like both of the hosts of Directorate S. Uh, even though they struggled to remember what my last name was, that's okay. What did they think it was? <laughs> they were just like, of Mitchell, of Mitchell. Oh, Sanchez. Ah, <laughs> see, you actually listened to it. I was just like, oh, praise. They're very sweet. Thanks, guys. Excellent. All right, now let's get into discussion of Handmaid's Tale, season two, episode six, First Blood. Okay, I have a larger question. Great. About the Handmaid's Tale. Great. But I think it's extremely appropriate for this episode, because remember... I said that Seeds was the most upsetting episode to date. Uh, guess what? We have a new champion! Ooh, nice. First blood. Holy shit. Yeah. So upsetting. Nick didn't take our advice and get killed uh, for not having sex with his admittedly really boring child bride. Yeah, uh, not her fault. <laughs> it's not her fault that she's so boring. Like, <laughs> I was probably very boring at 15, Except yeah. for the fact that I was like a very like thirsty, hyperactive freak. Oh, um, God. Thank God we're adult women now. Oh, God. I was so thirsty my entire childhood. I remember we went, Mitch and I went to Disneyland this weekend and I told him, I was like, you know what? As a little, little kid, Disneyland made me so fucking horny. <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm glad that you're here because now I have an outlet. (laughs) I'm a disturbed person. Um, Anyway, yeah. So So what was your question? I was having a discussion with my friend Caroline over the weekend. And she had just watched the first two episodes. And she was like, like, I don't know if I can keep watching this. I don't know what the point of this is. And I think it is worth 
having a discussion about that, I think we should maybe like throw it out there to the redheads and just kind of see what everybody else's perspective is on this. It's funny because John, John Russell, who writes for TV guide magazine, Mm -hmm. And I were talking about this the other day about is this just torture porn at this point or does it serve a point? And I have (laughs) lots of thoughts and feelings. definitely came up as part of this conversation. I never saw Hostel, but I am a big fan of Cabin Fever and the Bear Jew. Very cute. Uh, Anyway, Eli Roth, call me. Did you have thoughts on that now? Or should we save that? I don't think we get a happy ending in life. Like, I don't, I don't subscribe to this idea that all of our art has to be life affirming or I guess uplifting. I think the existence of art is life affirming because without life or without art, uh, look, I'll fix that in post. I I won't. But like, Um, you know, I mean, you know, do we even deserve hope at this point? Like, <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, honestly, like, I don't know. I'm going to say a soft to medium yes. <laughs> soft to medium yes. <laughs> but that's yes. just me. An over medium yes. Yeah, um, the yoke is still running on my yes, but it is a yes. Yeah, okay. But I mean, just like, I don't know that art owes us like a pat on the head and this is going to mm-hmm. be fine. Yeah, totally. Particularly this show and this source material yeah like margaret atwood has never been one for easy answers totally and i don't think that there are easy answers about women's place in society yeah i think that's that's partially where my answer comes up too because i feel like i i fall vehemently on the side that it's not torture porn and it's actually pretty revolutionary and necessary to have a show that's this violent that is made in a big part by women mm-hmm. and for women. Mm-hmm. It's important to not discount women written speculative fiction and sci-fi as a source material because they, like all sci-fi writers, take a fear and magnify it. Right. And so if you look at sci-fi that's targeted towards men, you know, you've got your Heinleins and your Orson Scott cards. Um, and your- Black Mirror's never-ending sperm <laughs> panic. Yeah. A lot of them are about... Um, Not being able to fuck as many ladies as you want. Sure. Or Maybe like- that's just Heinlein. <laughs> God bless Heinlein, my problematic fave. But um, uh, oh, You're a stranger in a strange land, Molly. I really am. <laughs> So they focus on male fears like fear of war or fear of like, you know, impotence or fear of intellectual property theft or whatever. <laughs> I, I fucking don't know. I don't know, man. This uh, is this is now already my favorite discussion of speculative <laughs> and science fiction I've ever had in my entire but life. But when women write sci-fi, a lot of times we write about the boogeyman in our life, which is sexual violence. Mm-hmm. And the thing about that is... Only a small quotient of the men you know will ever go to war, mm-hmm. but almost every woman you know has been subject to sexual violence. So when women sci-fi writers a man slowed his car down and yelled something at me today, oh. I was listening to an Ursula K. Le Guin novel, so Whoa. I didn't hear what it was, but I was like, I don't need to engage with this. Doubly pertinent. So I feel like the boogeyman that we're showing here is one that we deal with every day. And so to ignore it in a media for the sake of making a more palatable media is not okay with me. And I think there's a big, 
big, big difference between the way sexual violence is tackled in this show, which has, you know, is based on source material written by a woman, written mostly by women, and say Game of Thrones, where there's like rape as like set dressing, mm-hmm. is crucial. And I know it's hard to watch, but it's it's important that it exists. The other thing that I'll say, and I'm glad you brought up Game of Thrones, because I always sort of think of it as sort of the er-prestige television example oh, t- right now. Totally. Because so much of these extremely violent properties that are so popular that are primarily targeted at men, but of course women watch because we're all just trying to figure out how to get men to think we're people. Turns out watching Game of Thrones doesn't work. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, these are fantasies. Again, nothing in The Handmaid's Tale, the book, and I think Still the TV show. Unfortunately, yes. None of these things are things that aren't happening today to someone in this world. Yeah. So there are people in forced labor camps. There are child brides forced to marry and procreate with men much older than them. There are women getting systemically raped and kidnapped Mm. and women having their children taken away from them. So I think that I'm hesitant to be critical of other women, mm-hmm. but I'm going to do it anyway. Like you owe it to the women that you are more privileged than that. You have a fucking Hulu subscription or you find these episodes in a box on the street. Don't look away from this shit. Like maybe you don't watch this show, but what are you actually doing? Well, I, I feel like I extend that invitation more to men than I do to women because if you have experienced similar trauma, then I can understand why you would not want to just saddle up to the TV and watch it. I understand that as well, but I also think by and large, like we have to confront this stuff. Like I think that we do, and I think that we have to stop defining ourselves by our sexuality. And not even our sexuality, but like the way that we approach sexual assault is like, oh my God, it's the worst thing in the world. And I'm not saying that it's not terrible. I'm not saying that you shouldn't take your time to recover from it, but also they win when it cripples us. They win when we can't look at it and say, you know what, this is wrong and you cannot take what is essentially my humanity by doing this. And I feel like there is this preciousness around sexual assault that is like, we can't look at this. We can't deal with it. We're going to put cotton in our ears, but it's also isolating. It isolates you from other people that have had that same experience. If you look at me too, if women weren't so fucking afraid of each other, where the fuck would we be? Wow. Extremely, exceedingly well said. Thank you. Very good. Um, I have a lot of rage. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not going to get better after discussing this I episode. Know. So- anyway, well, I think we should open this up to the so, redheads. Yeah. I think this is a really interesting vein to mine, especially because if you've made it this far in this season, I mean, you're in it to win it yeah. with The Handmaid's Tale. And I'm just curious, you know, maybe there are people who find some kind of shred of hope or civil nurse. Yeah. Or silver lining. I'm just I'm just curious what other people's experiences are. Because yeah. as you know, I'm very cool and alternative. <laughs> and I like very dark things, such as <laughs> Requiem for a Dream. Gentlemen. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, my God. Although so yeah. I will say this episode did make me think 
you know, maybe one of these random, you know, Tinder dates of obligation where I'm just fucking a dude for no reason. Uh, perhaps it will turn into love. Oh, I don't really believe that. <laughs> All right. Grumpy. Let's get into this episode. So the re- drew first blood. The <laughs> recap was, I found especially helpful because you'll notice in some of our recaps before, we did not make the connection that the senator that Fred is trying to impress. I don't think he's even a senator because they call him later Commander Price. Okay, fine. The big wig that Fred <laughs> is trying to impress actually hired Nick to spy on Fred. So and we, I, I think he's the guy that got Nick in with the sons of Jacob. Right. Way back when, when he was at that employment agency. Right. So this recap was the previously on was really helpful to me. I thought it was helpful in that regard, but I thought it telegraphed the ending of the episode too much by featuring off Glenn. So oh. yeah. Cool. Like, Let's go yeah. point by point. So we open in that doctor's office where once again, she's bisected by the little screen. And it is the same gynecologist from the first season played by Christian Brunn of Ugh. Orphan Black fame. Mm-hmm. What, what? And I appreciated the continuity yeah. because he is also Canadian, like Amanda Bruegel. Nice. So I'm always happy to see Canadian people starring in Canadian adaptations. That's so great. So we find out that June suffered pretty routine hematoma, which is... <laughs> Crazy to learn because Homegirl was bleeding like a fucking faucet of blood. BRB. I'm just going to go start a band called Routine Hematoma. Uh, what's up? We're Routine Hematoma and we're ready to rock this club tonight. Um, yeah. And this is interesting. The first thing I thought was interesting about this is they ask her about her first pregnancy and mm-hmm. they word it on purpose. Mm-hmm. They say, how was your first pregnancy? And she goes, with Hannah, and they're like, and she looks your right first at pregnancy. Serena, yeah, through the screen. So they're really careful to like, we don't want proper names here. Yeah. We just like stick to the facts, lady. <laughs> uh, which is of course unsettling. And Serena has been a googling. What do you think the search engine is called in Gilead? <laughs> oh, I, th- I bet it's I called know. Tower of Babel. Oh, or maybe just Babel. Babel. Yeah, Babel. B a b b l. Not to be confused with the. Sources citing website Babblefish that I used (laughs) ad nauseum. Not to be confused with chariots. Delete chariots. (laughs) Uh, But she is like, oh, you know, I've heard estrogen can help with that. I'm like, is there like a, I want to know if there's like a black market wives lending library. Because I thought she was going to tip her hand that she had been researching as well. I hope that they just give the, because the women aren't allowed to read i hope like what to expect when you're expecting is just a picture book (laughs) you flip through each page and one has like a picture to represent estrogen and she's like "Mm -hmm. i have a question what the fuck would the picture that represents estrogen be please a beautiful squiggly circle come on Get your I head out of your now ass. I'm just seeing like there's just like a picture of like a handmaid with like, you know, like a pregnant handmaid and like an arrow like pointing down. Yeah. Like baby comes out here. I hope that there's like a goofus and gallant section of that same history <laughs> book where it shows a picture of like handmaid behaving. Thumbs up. Handmaid misbehaving. Hang her. Like It's a very, very sharp uh, drop off of the goofus and gallant of, uh, of Handmaid's Tale. But uh, the part where I started crying and I like... I didn't heave sob this episode, but I teared up a bunch. The first time I teared up was when Serena Joy opens the fucking screen and is like, do you want to see? I died. I died. I I died. I was resurrected and I died again. This episode is so frustrating. 
Oh, and God, I mean, I and it. June voices this later, but it's like you see so many flashes of like the amazing woman that Serena Joy could be Ugh. if she wasn't also a stone cold monster bitch. Oh my God. And I've had numerous discussions about this on the Handmaid's Tale discussion forum. And we were having a discussion the other day and some man came in and was like, Serena Joy is a cunt. And listen, I know this woman would kill a child if she could. I know this woman straight up socked innocent people in the face. But I swear to God, if you come in to my discussion and call Serena Joy a cunt and you're a man, I will destroy you. Yeah, I agree. Nothing made me matter. Like she may be a cunt, but she's our cunt. Yeah, there's been this really disturbing trend in recent mm-hmm. years where men like think they can just use that word. <laughs> It's just, just absurd. Think they can say it. Listen, and I, you can't. Okay. Listen, I want it during boyfriend girlfriend nighttime times, but no other time. No, and like unless no, you're Australian you know and you are my friend, I or, guess. Yeah, or British, but like as far as like you know, United States is mm-hmm. concerned. Content yourself with bitch. You can have that. <laughs> bitch is fine. We named a magazine that we're done. You want to say coos? You can say coos. I'll let you say coos. <laughs> but even that is a flying too close to the sun. But yeah, Yvonne Strahovski's acting in this episode is a delight. And this this episode felt like a wrapped up little treat for me, who has been saying since day one, Serena Joy is my queen. Yeah, so. I was really, really excited for you Ugh. while I was watching it. Because I, I was just like, Molly is just going to lap this up. Well, and I figured it had to be this episode that we were mm-hmm. going to get all of these juicy flashbacks because Ooh. there were so many of them in the trailers. This episode is like a well-ripened peach. It's so damn juicy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Let's keep getting into it. What else is happening in that in that instant? Basically, what I loved here is just June's clear, again, Elizabeth Moss, how can you act six different feelings at one mm. fucking time? Mm. I don't it's unbelievable. It's what she it's learned. It's kind of inhuman. It's what she learned in the what? 15th level of Scientology. Crazy, you know. Honestly, mm-hmm. if this is what you get, mm. maybe it ain't so bad. Maybe it ain't so bad. So sorry. Actually, it is because of the Sea Org. Anyway. It's a cult. Um, but she has just this mix of apprehension because we all know when Serena Joy is nice... You know, she just, she stretches that tension and it's like, she's nice, she's nice, she's nice. And then wham, you get slingshotted in the face. Someone asked on the discussion group if you think that this is indicative of the kind of mother Serena Joy would be. What do you think about that? About like the mother that was kind of like mercurial? Uh, Yeah. I mean, that doesn't go away. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. well, and that's like what I asked in the previous recap that we did about whether or not she is going to hit the kid. Oh, that's right. Like. Oof, I don't know. I mean, again, because children are so precious in Gilead. No, but anyway, I think, I think she's gonna be a narcissistic parent. Yeah, if it gets to that point, and there's it, no way that she will be gonna. able to differentiate herself from that child. She can't even differentiate herself from Offred, right? And have any kind of empathy or consideration <sighs> for Offred's point of view, or Oof. Fred's for that matter. Yeah, that's like you know true. my feelings on Fred, but we'll get Ugh. to that anyway. So Offred is like, yes, I want to see the ultrasound. And like, but at the same time, too, it's like, she's like, do it. Like, even though she's made this declaration to mm-hmm. the baby in the previous episode, like, I'm going to get you out of here. She knows in reality, that's going to be hard to do. 
And it's like, does she take the chance of further bonding with this child that she's carrying? But she ultimately, I think, I mean, I I don't see how if you're carrying a baby, you're like, you know what? No, I don't want to see it. I agree. Yeah. Unless you're like sweet D on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. (laughs) (laughs) That was revolutionary. Uh, I want you to think about this as a parallel scene to a later scene, because think about it. This is the time in the episode where June gets to see the baby. Okay. And when later when she asks to see Hannah, oh, that's the yeah. end. So I was like, this oh, is the and time- later when it's the time on Sprockets when we dance? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, is that too deep of an SML yes, cut I'm for you? I'm so sorry. Oh my God. First, you haven't seen Waiting for Guffman and now this. I don't know if this podcast can continue. <laughs> I'm very sorry. Uh, I'm going to give you some homework. Thank you. While you're in France. Okay, great. <laughs> The next scene is in the Waterford home. I was so surprised that Offred and Rita hug. It, every time somebody touches affectionately in this show, I get nervous. I'm I know. never like <laughs> relaxed enough to enjoy. I'm just like waiting for the cattle prod to materialize. Me too. Me too. But I thought that was nice. Offred refuses her smoothie. Like oh. Sabrina is like, oh, Rita, we make Offred her smoothie. And she's like, no, which like I kind of get honestly, like. I'll drink a green smoothie, but I don't want it every day. And Mm -hmm. she says that it is rough on her stomach. And then Serena Joy is like, oh, you know, make some soup, Rita. Yeah. Okay. Oh, my God. Okay. So Eden's there, too, which I feel like you can kind of sum up her entire character by saying Eden Eden is there there as well. Yeah. And so she's in there. She's just like hanging out. And then Serena's like, oh, you know, you'll stay in my sitting room. You can't go up the stairs in your condition. And again, I'm just like, quit being nice because I know that the backlash is going to be that much worse. But then when Serena and Offren leave, Rita looks at Eden, who's just sort of like staring into the middle distance and says, you want to help? Help. So many good zingers this episode. Rita's line readings. She is bringing it. Oh. Also, uh, another brief shout out to the Americans. There's a scene in the Americans where a character who's a young girl is like cutting up carrots. Both she and the actress playing Eden, who is named Sydney Sweeney. Sweeney. Neither one of them can cut carrots for shit. I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, nobody cuts carrots like this. Girl, you, baby, you grew up on a farm. Well, and I was going to say, were you raised in a barn? But you know what? If you were raised in a barn, you would know how to cut carrots. Totally. Uh, I thought that was also a great interaction. Oh, my God. Uh, something that occurred to me as they do this whole scene around the Waterford house is that... At this point, men are grossly outnumbered in the household. Oh, yeah. We got Serena, Joy, Rita, I keep wanting to call her Enid, Eden. (laughs) What is this, Sweet Valley High? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, fuck Enid. Uh, Enid, Eden, Eden, Eden. We broke Molly, everybody. (laughs) She can't handle it. Podcast over. Which leads me to think that maybe the the baby inside her tummy is a girl. And certainly the handmaids think that in the later scene. But I I would still think it's a boy. I love symmetry. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now. It's either one of those. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think this show would add another layer and be like, also, the baby is genderqueer. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Not the right time, BB. I'm so sorry. So, yeah. So the next scene has Nick and June. Oh, my God. Ugh. Okay. All right. So I'm going to say something, and I'm so sorry, Max Bangdella, because I think you are delicious. Oh, good. I said something 
negative about him in this scene too. But I think he's a terrible actor. I think he's so bad. Like he's okay in the scenes with Eden because she's also kind of bad. And I'm like, I don't know if she's just awkward. Maybe she's like really good at acting and she's just awkward. I think that's probably it. But like putting him next to Elizabeth Moss, like before when he was supposed to be kind of this like automaton Mm -hmm. and like you didn't know what side he was on. But now that he's being expected to like say stuff and do things i'm like oh no you're out of your league totally the part that i like laughed aloud at (laughs) was he goes i think about us you know what we could be what we could be i'm like i'm like number one like vaginas everywhere (gasps) ran away sir we've all <laughs> run to Canada to be with the official boyfriend of oh, the podcast, OT Fag Benley. Our boyfriend would never do this to us. And, I know that that's what June's thinking in the back of her head. Too. And I just, it feels like, you know, on the Simpsons when Mr. Burns makes that move and he's like 37 takes. And that was the best one. <laughs> like, I just, cause it's just like, do you, like, do you even know who she is, bro? I know. Because it's so devoid of emotion. And again, Elizabeth Moss is so great because I don't think that she thinks about this like at all. No. And I think it's really interesting because I think there's been a shift in the way that June feels about Nick. Ooh, speak on. Specifically from the first season where she was just kind of like desperate and he was the only outlet that she had where she could be June. Now she's reclaimed and spread out a little bit more and she's like, oh no, you're like my first prison boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Totally. This is why, guys, you don't choose your prison boyfriend too early because... I mean, then it's a commitment. It's I mean, really you hard don't to break. always have a choice. Oh. Sometimes your prison boyfriend chooses you. Just like your magic wand. Uh, <laughs> My prison boyfriend has a phoenix feather core. Uh, he says that to everybody. So this scene, I think, is interesting because it has the three conspirators. It has Nick, Rita, and June in the same scene. A dynamic together we have never seen, and it is is scrumptious my reflection poor rita always the third wheel never a bride (laughs) (laughs) but she gets in some of the best one line oh my god because she brings in soup and she's like i brought you know here's your soup as ordered i know and then nick's like oh smells good where's mine again a line reading i don't believe at all and she just goes ask your wife The self-care horn makes its triumphant return because, damn, there's so many zingers, and that was one of them. I also, like- have fun eating your jank-ass carrots, Nick. Oh, is she going to cut those carrots so badly? We'd put the rosemary on them. Oh, my, oh my God. God. Was that Chekhov's carrot? Because later he comments on her carrots. That no, she it's potatoes later. Oh, okay. Never oh, mind. I have some things to say okay, about great. that scene let's get to them i do like this dynamic though because they all are in on the same thing or they have been previously uh-huh. in on the same thing and now they're still kind of they have this language of like the they're the help they're the yeah, people in the house that are yeah, the help. if you know and this is the downstairs of upstairs downstairs totally and even eden i don't view as much of the help and clearly later she is not the help uh, uh she is also no help to oh, anyone anywhere. oh my god i just also fun drinking game to play watching this episode <laughs> every time eden talks about her duty to god take a shot <laughs> i Better know yet 
Take some birth control. Serious. Agree. <laughs> Eden is like the Phoebe from Magic School Bus of this show. She's <laughs> always talking about her fucking old school. And it's like, <laughs> Eden, you're not at your old school anymore. Like, relax. I wonder who the Arnold is. Who's always the Debbie Downer? Mrs. Putnam? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mrs. Putnam. I feel like this doesn't hold up that well, though, because I feel like Aunt Lydia would have to be the Miss Frizzle, and that just really takes all the magic out of the magic school it's bus. Just, it's a very scary bus. It's like, today we're going inside our reproductive system ah! against your will. Ah! <laughs> Note to self, start referring to my vajay as magic school bus. Magic school bush. Ooh. We'll workshop it. <laughs> Let's move on. We see Fred constructing the new Red Center. And Aunt Lydia says hello to him. And Aunt Lydia, a pot stirrer. I'm going to come right out and say it. Miss <laughs> Fizzle or not, she's like, oh, they're fighting at your house, huh? They're all willful. And this is the part that made my butthole clench. <gasps> is she goes something to the effect of like, I hope you know how to handle them. And she I had says, I'm sure you know how to handle them. Because he says right. that he tries to stay out of it. And right. he's deflecting. And she's like, mm, remember, you're the one who's supposed to be in control. And he's like, wait till you see my flashbacks. Oh, God. And I had so much. Well, I mean, I had a terror moment remembering the scene in the trailer that we saw of him whipping someone. And I'm like, oh, God, no. What's going to happen? Uh, well, nobody gets whipped in this episode. Right. Nobody gets whipped. But... Aunt Lydia said something that stuck out to me where she's mm. saying that, you know, this and this new center is beautiful. Oh, yeah. As, you know, horrible prison slash forced sex work encampments go. It right. is stunning. But she says, we'll be able to process so many more girls. My question is, where are you getting all these new fertile women from? Yeah, I would think that you kind of had as much as you were going to get unless they keep catching people. Yeah, I mean, the other or, thing is like if, econ- you know, because we know the Econo wife that Maddox was married to, Ooh, yeah. you know, she fucked up. Yeah. But she didn't really. Anyway, yeah. in the eyes of Gilead, she fucked up. So she uh-huh. became, so it's like, are you going to start like cannibalizing your population Ooh, in that maybe. way? Well, they make mention of like trade agreements. So maybe it's like if you're in Mexico, you got to send your your would-be handmaids here for training. That actually would be, again, they're creating jobs. Which is nice, yeah. Two things I thought about this this first scene where they mentioned the new Rachel and Leah Center. One is it's a glow up because the last Rachel and Leah Center was in an abandoned school. So mm-hmm. this is the first this is the first one that is built for that purpose. So that's kind of cool. But where are they going to play basketball? Exactly. Well, we can't play basketball anymore. We're keeping ladies who are willful down there <laughs> with their treadmills. Yes. Oh, we my didn't God. See the fucking treadmill. I did not see the fucking treadmill. And I will bring that up again later because there is a scene later. Hold that thought. Oh, I also want to mention that the copies that we found in a box are, I think, mixed darker than the ones that are released. And in the case of this episode, color correction and certain visual effects were not present, which is not anybody's fault. It's just the copy that we mm-hmm. had hadn't had those added yet. And we'll talk about yeah. that later. Yeah. And the second thing I want to talk about with the Rachel and Leah Center is, oh, man, as soon as I saw 
him proposing to build this, I wrote, damn, we're not getting the epilogue this season, are we? No. I was so mad because I thought that was going to be my one shining, super clever prediction from the trailer uh-huh. that uh, the scenes that oh, took place. Oh, yeah. Like, as soon as, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, well, this is clearly I was that scene of all those commanders ringed by handmaids. Not That scene was amazing yeah all told but i'm a little bummed that it wasn't the symposium from the epilogue i think i'm not gonna get my wish this season and it makes me very sad well don't worry molly there's gonna be 10 seasons and i have 10 seasons i we have like the op i personally have the opposite reaction than like fans of arrested development did i want like to have a hashtag instead of six seasons in a movie a, a hashtag that's like uh Three seasons tops. That's it. Be done. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Five is too many. Five is too many. Yeah. Ten is too many. Two is going great so far, but who knows? So I love this scene, too, because the commander gets called away by a bunch of other commanders. And they're like, oh, how come this isn't further along, bro? There's no seats in the, like, auditorium. And he's like, oh, we have two days. That's plenty of time. And I'm like... (laughs) What contractors are you working with? Dang. Although, I guess in a dystopian theocracy, people are probably pretty productive. You would think so, huh? It's like either uh, put these seats in or uh, go dig up the earth in the colonies. Oh, I finally found out why they're digging up the earth. Oh, please tell me. So this is the thing that happens in forced labor camps where the topsoil is contaminated. So they're digging the topsoil to expose the quote-unquote, non-contaminated soil below so that the fields can be reclaimed for planting. Oh. And we found out, I don't think we talked about this, but the holes Mm -hmm. in the women's clothing in the colonies is meant to be a zero, mm-hmm. meaning they have no value, which I honestly felt was a little on the nose for <laughs> Crabtree, but okay, whatever. Yes. Uh, she's still a delightful person, and they did a whole, like, colonies feature. I think it was on Vulture that was, like, super amazing. Yeah, so cool. I agree. Thanks for bringing that up. I appreciate that. <laughs> is it worth to, you know, just quickly restate the etymology of the Rachel and Leah Center? Yeah. Okay. We talked about this on previous episodes, but I think it might have been a book recap. So just in case you don't listen to those. So these red centers are called the Rachel and Leah Center. And that is because of the story of Rachel and Leah, the wives of Jacob from the Bible, highlighted in one of a podcast's favorite books, The Red Tent. Quick summation of that story. Rachel and Leah kind of pull like a husband swap at the last minute and Jacob accidentally marries the wrong one of them Mm -hmm. and then is kind of like, well, I'll just keep both of you, kind of. Well, kind of, because... And I thought about this with the marriage ceremony in the previous episode, Mm. too, because the, Mm -hmm. the deal was... Rachel and Leah's father, Laban, was like some distant relative of Jacob's. And Jacob had a whole thing with his family where his brother Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of pottage, blah, blah, blah. He So Jacob had to like go on the run because like apparently that was a binding contract, but like people were mad. Mm-hmm. And so he meets up this guy, Laban, and he's like, whoa, your daughter, Rachel, is a stone cold hottie. And Laban's like, all right. Work for me for seven years, and then you can marry Rachel. Mm-hmm. Then he, at the wedding, there is a veil over the bride, and Jacob marries this woman. When he lifts the veil, uh-oh, it's not Rachel. It's Leah, because Laban, what a trickster. And he's like, all right, all right, all right, check it out. Work for me for seven more years, and then you can marry Rachel. I'm like, I hope he was like 12 when he got there, yeah. because that is Otherwise. too long. Anyway, but then when he finally did get to marry Rachel, Rachel couldn't conceive. 
And then that's when you get the thing from the ceremony where it's like, you know, lay with my handmaid Bilha and she will bear a child on my knees, quote unquote. So clearly all of this is very laden with meaning as far as a handmaid's tale mm-hmm. go down to like literally their handmaids are bearing kids for them. And then this notion of women veiled. And so very, uh, not on the nose, but just well-appointed name for this scary center. I also have a question, though, again, about that wedding where, like, they don't lift the veils of the brides until the end of the ceremony. Like, are they saying that they're not as worthy as Jacob? Like, I don't know. I have questions about that. Yeah, and certainly the organization Fred belongs to is called the Sons of Jacob, who are the sons of Rachel and Leah. So it's kind of giving... And also Bilha and the other one. Zilpa. Thank you. Them being the sons of Jacob is kind of paying homage to like their society exists because of this sort of relationship between handmaids. And also in the biblical story... The sons of Jacob are just a shitbag bunch. Yeah, they're fucking terrible. Like, even really Joseph bad isn't guys. that great. Like, he's still like, well, you can question the consent of his affair with Potiphar's wife. Oh. But, and as we all know, Potiphar had very few cares. Um, <laughs> we all know that to be true. But anyway, that's just a quick little, what does that mean of the Rachel and Leah Center? And now, guess what? I think this is right. I think it's dinner time. Oh, yes. Dinner time at Eden's. Bob Eden's down on the farm. I wrote, Eden made something in her easy bake for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) So she's like, oh, do you like your, do you like your potatoes roasted that way? And Nick's like, yeah, whatever. They're fine. And she's like, do you want to know the secrets? It's Rosemary. I'm like, bitch, that is no secret. We have all seen Rachel Ray. Come on. Jesus, fuck. Everybody knows you put rosemary on potatoes. She, next, she's going to be like, do you want to know the secret? It's um, it's the good olive oil. <laughs> E-V-O-O. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I fucking hate the acronym E-V-O-O. So dumb. And I have no reason for it. So, yeah. So, she's she's trying really hard to wife Nick up. Well, Hardcore. She- I don't know if you've heard Molly, but it's their duty to God. I know. And she keeps going. And I wrote something. down. She goes, oh, she keeps hinting about wanting to have sex. And so she goes, there's, I love that one part where she goes, my mother taught me everything, you know, <laughs> she's like she's so close to saying exactly that when she makes eye contact with him like she's practically putting the carrot into the tomato well she can't because she cut him up all fucked up yeah she's like if this was what you looked like this would go in here you have a micro penis right so then he like gets his cigarettes and he like goes out and she's like you can smoke in here and he's like no i'll go outside and she goes it's your house you can do what you want. <laughs> hey. so sad for this kid. But also, here's my other question. Are cigarettes contraband? They Nobody is reacting as if they yeah, are. Yeah, so I don't think they are contraband. I don't think they are either because in the book, everybody's... I mean, Serena Joy is not secretive about smoking. Yeah, I mean, them. also it was the 80s and people were just smoking, smoking away all the time. Like, even in a dystopia, Margaret Atwood was like, I can't imagine... <laughs> A world without cigarettes. Uh, uh, But we do know handmaids aren't supposed to. That's the one thing that is verboten, yeah. I mean, granted, if Eden's trying to get pregnant, he probably shouldn't smoke around her. Yeah, well, whatever. She's trying to make him more comfortable. She's like, we could even put on, like, one of those records you like. I mean, (laughs) I also like Pinkerton. (laughs) 
She's just trying really hard. I'm dumb. She's a 15-year-old. <laughs> when I'm away, you will procreate with no one else. I know that's not on Pinkerton. Um, I was about to wee-splain you, but I restrained. It's good. I, I wee-strained. I was missing Mitchell, so that would have made me feel at home. Uh, the only thing I want to point out about this scene after we're done razzing poor Eden is uh, he. they keep making this nebulous mention of like, you're never going to see your family again. Which I don't understand. Cause I he don't says, feel like it's that extreme, but they are acting like... Because I'm like, they're an hour away. Yeah, but he's like, it must be hard for your family. And it's like, is it? There's a telephone. And this is specifically what she was raised yeah. for. She's like <sighs> a veal virgin. I guess maybe that's saying more about how he was raised than she was. That like it would be hard for him, but I don't no, think so. I don't, I, Look, I literally think he's trying to just fucking say anything that will prevent him from having to dick down. Yeah. And you know what? I'm familiar with that dynamic. Did we already mention that she's 20 in real life? Yes. Thank God. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Yes. She looks so young. And I mean, granted, the older I get, the more young, young Mm -hmm. people look. I'm like, did I ever look like that? Well, it made me so nervous because I thought for sure they're just not going to say how young she is and just kind of let you sit there with that. But this one, they're like, no, she is 15. And Uh I said, (laughs) Uh, which is the reaction they want me to have. But yes, it is good to know that the actual actress is 20 years old and has seen a few things, I'm sure. (laughs) As we all had as 20 years old. I'm not casting aspersions on her specifically. Serena's going to tuck off for in in the sitting room. Oh, my God. I wrote in all caps this fucking dynamic and with three hearts because I just get lured in. I fucking love Serena Joy. And there is such a real disgusting part of me that wants the fanfic where they're like, we're buds and we're going to raise this baby together. Yeah, listen, I know you do, but... Obviously. I don't feel this way every time Serena's a snake. I know. And like as Love much her. as I enjoy aspects of her, I cannot ever be comfortable in any scene mm-hmm. that she and June are alone together. I know. Because there's nobody around to keep her accountable for her behavior. And nothing much happens here except Offred is like, I'm fine. And she's like, what if you need something? And then like Offred's trying to get comfortable and Serena's knitting. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry, the clicking. And Offred's like, bitch, it's not about you. I know. I'm pregnant. It is hard to get comfortable. My two favorite ways to see Serena Joy is either A, linebacker Yvonne Strahovski like being very violent and physical or B when she is a dorky ass cool mom that is my other favorite mode I mean this is right up there does not really give her a lot of options no so I love cool mom Serena so much in this scene so stinking much I love every aspect of her I love Yvonne Strahovski's beautiful ski slope nose I love everything I loved her line reading oh god when She's saying, oh, remember those, you know, pillows for expectant mothers and offers like a pregnancy pillow. But she, you know, she's like, oh, yeah, those were sweet. And Serena like briefly looks like there's a glitch in the Matrix. Yeah. And she's like, sweet. And it's like, remember that episode of South Park I watched? (laughs) I I love that so much. No, no. Beat it back out of your head, Serena. I wish she had been like, those pillows were noise. And she's like, (laughs) 
noise. I remember noise. Uh, the note I wrote for that is like, oh, they're going to go to the body pillow black market. And then I, then I like the bar where Serena goes, you know, come to think of it. Fred has one of those in his study, but it does have an anime girl on it. <laughs> so I just don't oh, think that's appropriate. Oh, I knew exactly where you were going. And <laughs> oh, the one significant thing, though, about this scene, other than all of our killer riffs, is making June sleep in the sitting room is such a visceral, like, removal of her privacy. And oh, it's totally. like homegirl has so little privacy and then to be like, ha just kidding. No but more. But she makes the calculated choice because mm-hmm. Serena, like a fucking dweeb. Oh, fun mom. She's like, what's it like? <laughs> I love having that life inside of you. And I'm like, I don't think anybody who writes for the show has ever been pregnant. I know. But I don't, you know, may, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I realize our society makes it very difficult for us to have it all. But yeah. Anyway, but so June says, you know, well, there's not much happening now. But if you want, you can come feel. I cried. Which is a very different thing than sneaking into your room and accosting you with Julian of Norwich quotes. Gross. Oh, I love it. I love every inch of this. This this episode is like, oh, like a creamy bucket of ice cream for me. I, I love it so much. So then, oh, oh my God. Oh, we get the Serena flashback. I, baby, you take it. I wrote. Molly, take the wheel. I wrote, fuck, yes. <laughs> and I levitated off my couch. I was so excited. Oh, God, pre-Gilead Serena is a sight to behold. She is Stunning. Oh. She can wear white. Oh, hashtag pantsuit nation. It is a skill that I admire. Yeah, to quote Broad City, she's in a white power suit. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) She's got her hair down. Hair down, Serena. Oh, so great. And, And I think just like her hair, the fact that like literally and figuratively, she does not get to let her hair down Mm -hmm. now is incredible. And that's why I think it's interesting to see later in the episode when she's been like really gardening her feelings out that her hair is kind of escaping. Mm-hmm. And it's just, ooh, it's it's a rare glimpse into you something interesting. You can't arrange away your feelings, Serena. Right. You Serena's can't. pissed. <laughs> so we get a glimpse of the book that she has written. This is a flashback of her on her book tour for this book that she's written, A Woman's Place. Which we did see... A lot about that in season one. Right, right, right. But we, we, so we know that it's about sort of embracing your biological destiny. Yes. I have a lot of issues with the way that this is done. Tell me. Because we just had all this go down Mm -hmm. in the Bay Area with Milo Yaniad. He's the devil. And it never would have gotten to this point where Serena's in the room to speak and there's this many people there protesting. Like, they would have protested and gotten this event shut down. And they did. Before before oh. she even got there. I'm sorry. I was talking about the Milo thing. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Is like right. It would be a situation like that. The idea that they would let this many people in who are clearly anti her. I also have a lot of questions about why they're calling her a Nazi. Me too. Because again, we live in a 
beautiful colorblind Gilead where yeah. everyone is equal, right? That's a great question. Kelly, geez, I didn't even think about that. Why like, are they calling her a Nazi? Is it just because they're like lazy sign writers? Or is it, I have a feeling it's she says some well, racist and, shit. And the way that they're depicted, impl- like, it's hard to it's hard to explain because I think of the camera on this show as being very neutral. Like I don't think of the camera as really being on anybody's side in particular, but I feel like they portray the people who are angry at her much less sympathetically mm-hmm. than these two dweebs who are wearing Oh my god. What shirts were they wearing? Did they have a logo on it? Because they're wearing like these light blue shirts. I believe it's the logo from the cover of the book. Okay. I, I figured it was something like that. Because I, I didn't know if like the Sons of Jacob had like gotten their graphic design right, on I don't think or so. what. And I personally adore Serena Joy's one to two little dweeby fanboys. I, I love also so love much. them and I did love I'm like, you are exactly what I imagine Ugh. the incels to be. Anyway, but like she tries to get up there and speak and her like, I think her like publicist is there. Yeah. Cause you know, she was like, Oh, are they ready for me? And it's like, they talk about Twitter blowing up later. And it's yeah. like, how could you not at all be aware yeah. that sentiment was this stacked against you? And again, we have no idea where this is taking place. Right. Not San Francisco. Yeah. Clearly not San Francisco. Well, but, she says um, explicitly. And it's like, I appreciate all the information that they're giving us here, mm-hmm. but it's like, if people were this, pissed and this demonstrative and this vocal and this armed yeah how the fuck did gilead ever even happen i know i was thinking that too like i don't like it doesn't make sense to me narratively right and anyway we can get to the rest of it but basically well i think i know i think it's because she was made a martyr and they talk about that in the book is that when she got shot Mm-hmm. It became a whole rallying point because okay. people were like, they're shooting women now. Get They're shooting white women now. Get the fuck off. We're going to go. So it shouldn't matter what her race is. <laughs> no, I mean, the people who were sympathetic with her were like, if they're going to be violent, we have to get violent. Too. Yeah. And this sort of raises some interesting feelings in me because it comes right off this scene where I think Serena Joy is maybe to my warped mind, but I have a feeling was scripted this way to be so sympathetic. Mm-hmm. And we see this one where she is. That's like, why this whole episode is so fucking weird, because know, you empathize it. with people that you're like, I don't really want to be I know. empathizing with you. So the thing Mitch and I talked about this Milo thing, too. And he's like, what is the answer here? Is it that like we we shouldn't be mean to these people. And I gave it a lot of thought. And I think the answer that we should take away from this and situations like that is like, you know, you don't have to let shitty people speak at your university or in your town. Particularly if your university is publicly funded. Yeah. You don't have to let shitty people speak, but you do have to pay attention to who listens to them mm-hmm. because the people who listen to them are going to grow and grow. And if you don't, and they're going to elect Donald Trump president. Exactly. So if you get complacent and say like, I kicked this person out of my school, I can do anything. Uh, you know, you got to go further. If you're really against this person coming to your school, you're against their rhetoric and you have to do the extra step 
of making sure that kind of rhetoric doesn't spread and doesn't, you know, spread in legislation. So yeah, you don't have to let the Serena Joys come into your schools, but you have to pay attention to who does and, and not why. Only that shouldn't there have been more people in that auditorium who were down <laughs> with her message? Like, no. Was this a free event and like they just like filled up the RSVP queue? Like yeah. where like her fans they wouldn't book her at this university yeah. if, you know, the young Republicans or, you well, know. Who wanted Milo to come to Berkeley? Uh, you know, some fucking trust fund assholes. <laughs> That's interesting. But I, God, I love these flashback scenes. So, and this whole time I was like in my, I was enjoying these scenes, but I was also in my living room spinning around with my middle finger out to all of the people who have been fighting me for weeks on these message boards about, no, Serena Joy is going to join the resistance. Serena, these flashbacks, <laughs> these flashbacks are current day. It just doesn't look like a protest to me. Fuck y'all. I was right about one thing and it was this. Sanchez out. <laughs> Are you, are you done? I'm done. Go ahead. Okay. The thing that struck me the most in this entire thing is as they're ushering Serena Joy out because eventually somebody throws something mm-hmm. and knocks down like the woman's place placard mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she's shuttled off the stage and she's like, but I still want to speak. And Fred is saying, you can't silence her. This is America. <sighs> so at this point, whatever their ideas are and we heard fred making reference you know you've brought our ideas and our policies into the mainstream at this point it seems to me that they're still trying to deal with this fertility crisis mm-hmm. within the construct of totally. america with the constitution as it stands yeah i'm assuming that what happens next is part of what radicalizes them yeah but you know it's interesting and i again i'm very curious what their affiliations looked like Pre Sons of Jacob. Yeah, that would be so interesting to yeah. know. Three seasons. <laughs> no. <laughs> Hashtag three seasons and no more. Uh, the next scene goes to present day Fred in the kitchen working on his night bread. Uh, I said night cheese. Because <laughs> there is cheese, but you don't see it till later. I know, also, cheese. he's eating bread and cheese, and it looks like there's some kind of meat or charcuterie going on there, but he's also drinking milk. What kind of monster drinks milk and eats cheese at the same time? Mm -mm. Like, I'll eat a salad with a hard-boiled egg and chicken in it. All right? That is okay to (laughs) me. That's totally fine. But drinking milk and eating cheese, Mm -mm. you need something to clear that palate, baby. No wonder you're sad all the time. Oh, you backed up. That's why. Although I guess he's trying to gain some weight so he fits into his ill-fitting suits a little bit better. I know. But again, I had so much empathy for him in this scene. Oh, interesting. He was such a sad little nugget. And I was just like, what's happening to my brain? (laughs) That is weird. Uh, (laughs) I... I hate every time Fred is on screen, so I was not excited about this at all. I do, too, so this was extremely unusual for me. I was like, oh, why are you working on the night cheese? (laughs) The the thing I like about the cinematography in this exchange between him and Offred, there's one shot at the very end where he says, pregnancy suits you, and the shot is not of her head it's her breasts in the foreground uh, and his face in the background in focus. And it was just like, you nasty, but this is great cinematography. We also find out that her weigh-ins are 
more integral to the plot than I had thought, but they are in part, Aunt Lydia's making sure she doesn't gain too much weight. Right. Um, Still triggered. Yeah, still triggered, but anyway, nice nice half save there, Brucie M. (laughs) He's a podcast listener of our unreleased episodes, I can tell. Oh, really? (laughs) No. Oh, I'm like, what? Well, because we made that qualm last episode, which hasn't been released yet. Oh, I I was like, what the fuck? We don't have any unreleased episodes, bro. I mean, we won't when this comes out. But yeah. listen, uh, I can't handle this time travel. I know. Sorry. It's also disconcerting that when he's speaking to her, he's holding this knife. <laughs> and granted, it is a cheese knife, but it is glistening. And I think on purpose. <gasps> Do you think it's Chekhov's cheese knife? Che- oh, God. I hope not. Mm, now I want some cheese. Oh, God. I would kill someone for a charcuterie plate right now. I don't have one here. So please don't kill me. I shan't. I Can shan't. you get them on Postmates? That sounds like the bougiest thing. (laughs) Here's what I want to... If I had my druthers, and uh, please keep sending money to the Red All Over Patreon, because this is my fantasy. Oh, Venmo. Sorry. The Red All Over Venmo. We don't have a Red All Over Patreon. We're not gonna. If you find one, it is not us. Yeah. Please keep sending stuff to the Red All Over Venmo, because here's what I would like to order. Okay. I want to order a well-appointed charcuterie plate and a single glass of rosé. That's what I want for dinner tonight. I want them to bring the rosé with a little cap on it, unscrew that cap, put it in front of me. So hopefully that happens by the end right. of the recording. Cool. I hope that happens for you, Maldol. Putting that out there. Does anybody ever call you Molotov cocktail? Uh, n- Once in college. Yeah. Did yeah. you like it? No. Okay, cool. I won't call you that. I like Maldol. You're the only person. You're one of the only people that does that. And He's I like the that person. Th- my ex-boyfriend from college. Oh, okay, cool. He doesn't count. Then. Oh, but he called me Maldol and then shortened it to ball so actually we're good okay great also that's a dumb name but all right i thought it was cute at the time we all thought a lot of things were cute at the time you know it's not cute at the time june's interaction with eden who i have christened a band freshman (laughs) eden is such a band freshman eden keeps like every time you run into eden she's like i'm really excited about the trip to disneyland it's like eden it is fucking september we're not going until may cool your goddamn jets and stick to your piccolo weirdo she's such a piccolo player she's such a piccolo come on uh anyway let me just clarify she's not a sexually active band freshman (laughs) no 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 no. not one of those she's not a cool band freshman this whole episode i think should be named after this quote that eden has which is (laughs) are you mad at me I think that's a well, better June name. Well, asked that of Fred. I know. That's why I think that would be a better name than First Blood is, are you mad at me? <laughs> Slash, that is my entire life slogan. Oh, my God. Uh, it was so, like, the banality of June's conversation with Fred. Oh, yeah. It's we kind of exactly glossed over it. It's the conversation it. you would have with your, like, high school boyfriend. Because she's like, we just haven't, like, talked. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm, like, busy. Did you smell a scheme? Of whose? Of June. <sighs> I don't know. Look, this is what's hard about this show is like it does behoove her to know if he's mad at her for like self-preservation <laughs> reasons. Yeah. Also, like, you know, there's not that many people around to yeah. talk to. Mm-hmm. Nick is a terrible actor. <laughs> I will say that about Joseph Fiennes is that he's a good actor. He just he's such a good actor. Is supposed I to have be derpy. Not even thought about Shakespeare once. 
Oh, which is so upsetting because he's so hot in he's that movie. So blisteringly hot. Oh, God. oh, with the writing gloves and the ink stained fingers. Uh, but Ooh. also, like, I would never date a poet now. Yeah, and probably at that time, I also wouldn't date a poet. I'd be like, "Hey, get back to glove making. What the fuck is this?" <laughs> would then still would twenty eighteen. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, so this scene with Eden is... Uh, well, because she comes in and June's like, can I help you with something? She's like, no. And then she just, like, stands there. And then she's like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, Eden. She's like, I feel so stupid. And I'm Poor like, baby. well, bad news. You are. The part that made me scream that I hadn't even thought of is she goes, what if Nick's a gender traitor? Uh-huh. And I said, fuck. I didn't even think about that. She's going to, listen, early prediction, she's going to snitch. She's gonna oh, snitch. She's gonna snitch on. Honestly, oh, Commander Price. Anyone. I got your new mole for you. Oh my because god! Because she is perfect. Oh my god! Catch her at the end of a Quidditch but, game because she is a golden snitch. <laughs> I swear to God. But she is just like it's not even that. Like she's just so dumb. Mm-hmm. She can't help but be a snitch. I know. She's like, I know. Well, my mom told me how marriage works, and I'm pretty sure the chauffeur is not supposed to fuck the handmaid. At my old school, this never happened. <laughs> yeah. The next note I wrote for the next scene is surprises in Gilead are never good. No. Oh my God. And like, because I love the reveal on this because Serena's like, surprise. And like, you can't see what it is. And then she's like, I brought all your friends. And then it's like four. And I'm like, yeah, friends is a strong word. They're all kind of mad at her right now. Yeah. (laughs) And knowing Serena, it could either be a room full of her friends, like a cool mom, or all of their heads on stakes. <laughs> like the linebacker that she is in her heart. So I was I very you nervous. I like to look at their faces. <laughs> Serena Joy is like. Only their bodies are necessary. We don't require heads for their purposes. <laughs> Serena Joy is like if Amy Poehler's cool mom character from Mean Girls and Prince Joffrey were in the same person. <laughs> That's I would say also with like a dash of Jack Skellington. Hear me out. Well, Jack Skellington in A Nightmare Before Christmas thought everything he was doing was like so good, but it wound up being so bad. Oh, my God. You Mm. know who is like a huge Nightmare Before Christmas fan but doesn't want to admit it is Eden. (laughs) There's always that one weird band kid that's too into Nightmare Before Christmas, and I think it's Eden. I know I shouldn't go into Hot Topic because it's Satanist, but I really like The Nightmare Before Christmas and also the Powerpuff Girls. (laughs) Eden, stop. Get back to your piccolo, weirdo. Do you want to know the secret? It's my piccolo. (laughs) So then my butthole is clenched this entire scene and I wrote, ladies talking brunch. Because, oh my God, the layers. I cried. The role reversals. Oh, oh my god. The so pancakes. Everybody's, everybody's sitting there very awkwardly as Serena Joy starts serving them slices of quiche and trying to make small talk oh. with Offglen, who, if you recall, can't talk at any size. Oh, fuck. I anymore at all. That when, is hilarious. Well, neither does Serena until, and like, Offglen kind of like turns and looks at her, and I'm like, did she open her mouth? Like, you can't see, but it's like, did she just like show her? The tongue stump. Oh, my God. That's and like your so, fun mom if she forgets that your one friend can't eat gluten and is like, hey, Kelly, you want some uh, banana bread? She's like, Absolutely, I do. 
And then June does something, and I'm trying to... Th- well, actually, we see June kind of playing Peacemaker yeah. a lot in this episode, because she just did with Eden, because like she reassured yeah. Eden. She's like, I'm sure Nick's not a gender traitor. And she's like, really? Have you seen his skinny ties? <laughs> he listens to a lot of this music I don't understand. I know. It's very confusing. I know. It's not mean the man is gay, though. <laughs> gender is a spectrum. Remember when we used to have metrosexuals? It's close to that. He like buys details magazine. (laughs) Anyway, Offred swoops in and she's like, hey, remember this brunch place and all of these like things from before, which kind of surprised me because I was like, are you allowed to talk about brunch? I know. I was scared this whole time. I was like, somebody's going to say something and she's going to sock them. I know it. But they all like went to the same bougie ass brunch place that had a liberated omelet with like enlightened potatoes. And or you know, somewhere in Boston, somebody's like, ah, that's me. That's still a thing. Yay. Serena Joy used to love the banana pancakes. And Big Jack Johnson fan. Upside down. Uh, anyway, put on some shoes, Jack Johnson. Then Offred goes to Offglen and is like, oh, do you want to feel the baby? Because Offglen can't participate in this conversation. And what we know about uh, Offglen is that she definitely didn't go to brunch. The other black girl who's there says that she never went to brunch. Oh, I heard that and too. And that made That's me funny. really sad. I was like, how did you never go to brunch? How did you never just accidentally eat breakfast late? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're telling me you always ate breakfast between the hours of 6 a.m. and 10. Okay, sure. So anyway, they all come over and start feeling the baby. And then Serena's like, she just is like, "Uh, okay. Like, she's like, how do I, how do I get out of here? And she sort of squeezes June on the shoulder and then she bounces. And also, I kind of want to rewatch this scene again because Rita was like buzzing around in the background. And I'm like, what was she doing? I just love everything Amanda Bruegel does. This scene destroyed me because they all, the one thing that they're allowed to actually get excited about is a baby and they're getting to do it together. And it just like, oh, it filled me with such like joy and dread and everything. And the haunting thing before we get away from this is that Serena says like, we were probably there at the same time. And I Ah! I will lose my damn mind if in a flashback. Honestly, I hope there's some, this would be so cheesy, but I would eat it up. Is if there is a scene, a flashback scene where it's just a music playing and you show all of these people walking through each other's lives without noticing it. I know you think that's corny, but I would it is die. Corny. I would hate it also because of the gesture that you were making when you said the music. All I could think of was no, like it's a fucking community theater production of assassins. No, um. <laughs> I want it to be like that one. I think it's a radio song. that's like dun dun. Dun, 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 dun. Nope. Okay. I have no clue what you're talking. It about. was in Westworld. Um. Anyway, let's. Oh move yeah. On. Why would I know that? But there is actually some music playing during this that sounds like a woman yelling, and I want to know what it is, but I could not figure out what Rita's it is. Listening to like primal screams. <laughs> yes, I find it really soothing. It's just really nice. It goes with the rocks in my shoes. <laughs> oh, right. I forgot about that. I know. I I notice it more and more every time. The next scene is Serena taking out her feels in the garden. And oh, my God. She like so lovingly and tenderly pots oh. these little sproutlings. Mm. And then we get a flashback to the same speaking engagement. 
and they're being hustled out and there's still more protesters outside. There do appear to be more people on her side here. So we were both correct mm-hmm. about the trailer because I said it sounded like there were a lot of people cheering oh, in like a okay. positive way, mm-hmm. but they did all have like stop Nazi hate. Again, very unclear what the Nazi hate is. Yeah, um, I want to know. Because she is being egged on by Freddie's like, say something, you know, don't let them silence you. So she says, you know, I want to say something. So she says the thing from the trailer about, you know, you know, healthy birth rates have declined 61%. The future of mankind depends on what we do today. More twerps in Serena Joy t-shirts are there. And, you know, there's more, definitely more people are like cheering her on. And then we see them walking outside and her publicist is saying, Twitter is blowing up. Everything is great. And Serena's kind of high on the way that you get when you have a, you know, exciting speaking or comedy engagement. Mm-hmm. And she's saying to Fred, I want to add more cities to the tour. I want to go to San Francisco. Bang, bang. The publicist gets shot. And I think she dies because she got shot right in the heart. That's and what happens. Yeah. Serena Joy gets shot right in the baby maker. I know. How do you feel about this? So I... I'm troubled because I feel like I feel like Serena Joy was infertile before this. And I, I think because otherwise, why wouldn't she be pregnant? If her whole thing is mm-hmm. this biological imperative, I would think homegirl would be taking that basal temperature every yeah. damn day and trying to get pregnant. So it's but, to me, this seems like too yeah. convenient of a like, oh, no, she got shot. No, baby. Whereas I just want I want it to be more of like, no, Serena Joy is one of the people who really wanted a baby and couldn't have one. I agree. And I think this and I don't think that it's that nuanced. I think that, you know, they're making the clear argument that Serena Joy is infertile because she got shot. I and I think it weakens her character. I agree. I so agree, Kelly, because I love it when we agree. Aww. I I think it's so unfair to make her quote unquote exceptional in this world in this way. I think she is much more interesting if she is just infertile because most people are. Exactly. And I was reading a think piece, of course, about The Handmaid's Tale. And, you know, somebody was calling out the fact that the main difference in the book is that Offred is so blank. And she's such mm-hmm. a middle of the pack person mm-hmm. and she doesn't do anything that would compromise her self-preservation and that, that you know, isn't really sustainable in a TV show because you want, you, you want everybody to be exciting mm-hmm. and to do something mm-hmm. heroic, which I have more thoughts on the final scene about that. Let me tell you. Mm-hmm. But in that same way, you know, we already knew that Serena Joy had this platform. She doesn't then also need to be a victim in this way. Like, she can be shot, absolutely, but it's like, don't make it about, again, I agree. going back to what I said at the very beginning of this episode, don't fall for the lie of Gilead creators of this show. Serena Joy is so much more than her sexual organs or her reproductive system. Mm. Like, yes, she's also evil, Yeah, but I mean, don't reduce her to that. Uh, beautifully said. I so agree with you, and I think that's a lazy way to do that, because I think if... If if what we're trying to accomplish here is to show like this is why Serena Joy became a martyr, uh huh, sh- shoot her in the arm mm-hmm. or the leg, like it accomplishes the same thing. Exactly. The this important is such thing a, is that like, she gets shot. This is so on the nose, Varese, uh, and I don't like the it. Nose, <laughs> I don't. I I don't like it. But I I like this scene that comes after. Oh. 
of her Ma. yelling at Fred in the emergency room. Yes, but we are not. Oh, we're not there yet. There yet. Oh, okay. There's this is a really dense episode. Am I mm. insane? No. Is it, was this an extra long episode? I didn't count how long it was. But, I clocked. Oh. It was like it, it said it was 58 minutes. It was juicy. Yeah. And I mean, there's just there's so much going on here. Anyway, yeah. let's not talk about how long it is. Let us continue talking about the substance of the episode. Mm-hmm. So then we get Serena is showing June the nursery. And it's basically like the pottery barn threw up in a very attractive way. I thought it looked amazing. Yeah. A little busy, but yeah, I actually liked the busyness, Mm -hmm, which is unusual for me. Mm -hmm. And so, Oh God. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, I wrote a note that was like, how long is Serena's nice spell going to last this time? And it lasts till this scene. And she and June seem to have come to this sort of uneasy peace. And yeah, They're both taking this opportunity to become vulnerable. And in one case, I think that's very smart. And in the other case, I was like, quit while you're ahead. Stop. Yeah, just stop. Because Serena is saying, you know, I'm going to be a very good mother to this child. I'm going to be the best mother that I can be. I hope you know that. And June then takes this opportunity to bring up Hannah and beg Serena to let her see Hannah. And it's like, give it another couple of weeks. I know. Like, you're so, as Serena says later, she calls her devious. I'm like, yeah, but she's no good at it. She's so bad at it. Like, this is not how you scheme. It only works with Fred because Fred's an idiot. (laughs) Yeah, Fred's an idiot. And here's what I think. I think that June could get to the point with Serena Joy. It wouldn't necessarily be like a genuine, like, buddy-buddy situation. Mm -hmm. Well, because remember, as Gilead has prescribed it, June's only going to be in that house until that baby is weaned. Yeah. So it's not like she gets to like raise this baby. I know. But understand when you're winning and use that to build this yeah. fake trust or whatever it is. No when priority to hold them. is yeah. seeing Hannah. Don't go for it right now. It's just such a blunt. And again, I think it's lazy writing because it's like, why would she do this now? It just doesn't make sense. She literally told Nick earlier in the episode, we got to be smart. I know. And this is the dumbest thing she could do. I know. I think maybe if you were talking to a showrunner about it, they'd be like, well, she's overwhelmed. She's grasping at straws. She's trying her best. And it's coming out clumsy just because she's actually not that good at this. Except that Elizabeth Moss is such a good actor. I know. It like undercuts that argument completely. I know. For a Max Minghella, absolutely. (laughs) Totally believe that. Hey, we get him in this next scene. Oh, my God. Now, I did love this scene. Uh, fucking loved it. I wrote, sheet hole. No. Uh, we're not at the sheet hole yet. Are we not? No. Because June has to tell him to fuck her first. Oh, yeah. And she, well, because Serena says, get your things out of my sitting room. I think it's time for you to go back to your room. <sighs> and it's weird, though, because she doesn't even look angry. She just looks sad. Sounds angry. But she looks sad to me. She looks like she thought they were making progress. I know. And that's what June says when she goes in the sitting room because Nick comes in. They have an awful lot of time to talk alone, don't they? Oh, geez. And she said, you know, she's so angry and he's like, what's wrong? And she's like, I thought she could be decent. She can be decent, but she has to always be in control. And yeah. anytime you do anything that threatens her sense of control, she's going to lash out at you. I'm not saying it's right. It's just the reality that you're in. understand this dynamic. So 
Jude immediately jumps from that to saying, by the way, you need to sleep with Eden. And Nick goes, she's 15. And June says, oh, oh, you have to fuck somebody you don't want to? Poor thing. Oh! 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 That is so gratifying. That's so gratifying to hear. Basically, she finally is just like, listen, Eden is going to blow the whistle on you if you don't do your duty. So Mm. get in there and make it happen. Do it. She's like, you're no good to me if you're on the wall. And this is when she's walking away and he says, I love you. Oh, I hate it so much. (laughs) It's just so bad. I fucking hate it. Did she? She didn't say it back, did she? I thought she was going to solo him for a second, but she doesn't. I think she just ignores it. Yeah, which is the appropriate response yeah. in this situation. Oh, I think she said something about, like, she said something about his wife. Yes. Yeah, because earlier she had that great line about, like, what time is Mrs. Blaine's bedtime? Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> oh, okay, oh. now we're to the horrible part. The sheet hole. The sheet hole. And they pray. And then Eden gets undressed and gets under the sheet hole. Okay, here's my question. Let's just pretend Eden's just not around. Because otherwise it feels bad. But like, is Nick just always erect? I had the same question. Because I'm like, is this why Serena Joy was like, well, you know, Nick's always pitching a tent. <laughs> it's really gross. Like, so you didn't have to. And we saw, you know, we saw Fred, you know, prime the pump. Yeah. In the first ceremony scene, I think. That is even grosser. Like, but he just was like, anyway, here we <laughs> go. Like, oh, I don't want to fuck this 15-year-old, but my perma boner. <laughs> His boner turned him is like, well, we do. I feel like I'm like, I feel like you come really fast for not wanting to be in this. I don't like I don't know. I don't have a dick. I don't know how this works. Uh, but it's awful. Uh, and luckily they just show us like their arms. I know, which is um, disturbing, but I appreciate it. I guess Bruce Miller didn't listen to the previous episode where we were like, I don't do this. <laughs> yeah, it was upsetting. And you're right. Oh, well, and then what she says afterward is so heartbreaking because to her, the idea of passion makes no sense. And honestly, Serena Joy shouldn't have even bothered trying to explain mm. sexual pr- pleasure yeah. to her because she just doesn't, it Does doesn't compute. compute for her. Uh Unless somebody, you know, maybe one day she'll accidentally like be horse riding or something. Horse riding? Uh Horse back riding? (laughs) Or, you know, I guess I don't have bikes in Gilead either. Probably for that very reason. (laughs) Hashtag no bikes in Gilead. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I mean, she just can't conceive of that. And at 15, I mean, just speaking for myself... I didn't know where my clitoris was. Mm-hmm. I didn't jerk off till I was 17. Like, nope. I had no idea how it worked until nope. I watched MTV's Undressed. Whoa. Yeah, right? Nice. And, you know, it just, it wasn't something that I understood or thought about. Like, I wanted to kiss boys. I oh, wanted yeah. to have a boyfriend. Yeah. But it was, I was in very much the same mindset as Eden. Is like, this is what you do. Yeah. This is why you do it. Yeah. And she says, oh, you know, if it doesn't work, we'll just keep trying. To her, sex is only a means to having a baby. Yeah. Which means that Gilead is working. It's very successful. I, too, am very troubled by this perma boner idea. If I was Max Miguel, I'd be like, could you? Like, it's not realistic. I I don't don't think he's a good enough actor to say that. He's just like, I love you. Bless him. So handsome. But uh, so handsome. So handsome. Maxie, if you ever want to get together and not talk about your bad acting, I'll be happy. I'd be happy to. Yeah. 
agree. Jesus Christ, Fred. So oh, we cut from God. this scene. Fred of, is the grossest. Of marital. Blech. To another scene of marital, because Fred comes in to the greenhouse and says, the green thumb strikes again. It's like, do you write all your own material, Fred? Honestly, I think they would be great parents because they already have the banter down of really weird parents. Well, he says that Rita told him that Serena's been in there all afternoon and Serena just snaps. Rita needs to mind her business. Uh -uh. Knowing where you are is her business. What's she going to do when the commander like asks her Mm -hmm. where you are? She's not just going and tattling on you. Yeah. Rita doesn't have time for any of you. Serena's trifling. Serena's paced in this scene. Serena's paced. I wrote angry potting. (laughs) Uh, Very angry flower arranging. She like cuts her hand or something. On the thorn, I think. Uh, I think she cuts it with the clippers, which is very upsetting. And then Fred, like, tries to help. And he's like, is that better? Or, you know, he said, does it hurt? She's like, no. And he says, we wouldn't say if it did. This is like the most authentic Fred. I know. That we get in this scene and then in this next flashback. I have so much love for her in these scenes. Oh, my God. So she's just like, oh, my God, leave me alone, Fred. So we cut back to the hospital bed where she's in a bed and she's got a morphine drip going go with god and fred is there and they're crafting a statement to put out after the shooting and what we did see when she was prepping for this speech fred kept like correcting her and kind of like trying to make her words more kind of like violent more um incendiary Mm-hmm. And now she's the one doing that because he's oh. saying, oh, we're not going to let this fanatic. And she says, terrorist. He's a terrorist. Ooh. He's saying, oh, you know, when they catch him, when they find him. And she's saying, if they find him, he's like, you know, have faith in God. And she says, I have faith in God. I don't have faith in the police. That's my favorite Lauren Hill lyric. <laughs> <laughs> and Fred says, in this very vulnerable moment, he says, I think you should stop speaking in public. She pulls her hand away and is just so angry at him. And she says, be a man. And then we see him being a man. How how's, how's he be a man, Molly? Oh, God. So this scene that we thought might have been insurgents who took Offred away turns out to be Fred with these two people. And that it was it sucks because if you watch the the trailer you knew there was another person Uh there the scene begins with this bloodshot bloodied man's face he's tied up fred's behind him with a gun and we learn that this is the man that shot serena joy and fred has somehow and also liberty valance (laughs) and also mr burns (laughs) and jr yeah there we go we exhausted that bit yep i think we're done i think we're done just bringing some levity to a dark dark episode of the handmaid's tale so he he pulls the whole, do you know what it feels like to watch your wife get hurt? And then, ooh, in brutal so cinematography. He looks like he's going to shoot the dude. And then, like, with no fanfare, kills the wife. And then they take the guy and, like, cart him off. Who knows? But, but, but again, the cinematography here is brutal and excellent because we know from the trailer that there's another person in this scene. But uh-huh. if you didn't remember that, it's like, <gasps> slide pan, reveal his wife is mm-hmm. there. Fuck. Oh, no. So we see this very brutal Fred, and it's very scary because it's certainly a harbinger of things to come. It's We're- a very Macbeth dynamic between mm. him and Serena Joy. This is very so- Macduff and Lady Macduff. <clears throat> Where's all my Lady Macduff fans out there? <laughs> You know what? That reminds me of Molly. Sleep No More. Yeah. Her <laughs> dance in Sleep No More is great. 
the McDuff floor in Sleep No More was so good that I like skipped the floor with all the shops. Oh, anyway, Sleep No More is great. I don't know if it's still going on, but it holy is. shit, it's I want to so go great. so bad again. Yeah, so that's very scary because it gives us a glimpse into the kind of brutality that Fred is capable of, and then it's a horrifying cut. To the scene where he's creeping into Alfred's bedroom. And it's unclear who it is. <laughs> yeah. I when I was Serena watching Joy. this, I thought it was Nick because Nick had oh. said he was going to come and she was like, we can't be sneaking around anymore. But I did think I was like, it could be Serena Joy. Mm-hmm. It could be Nick. It could be mm-hmm. Fred. It could basically be anybody but Rita yeah. and Eden. <laughs> and I feel like Rita's like trying to play Egyptian rat screw with Eden. <laughs> Eden's like, we can't say screw. Um, <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so the next note I wrote is not the venue, Fred. Jesus Christ. Because <laughs> he shows her this picture of, of Hannah, which is from the book. That happened. I guess Polaroid survived the dystopian. I wrote the same thing. I wrote, oh, my God. What hipster commander had an Instax? <laughs> Uh, I can't wait till they show us all the ones with like handlebar mustaches. <laughs> oh, oops. Of Jeremiah is here. <laughs> yeah, I oh, also. This next generation of commanders is going to be awful. Uh, what music do you like? Dude, just put a baby in me. Come on. Uh, uh, I like Creed, but then when they like went more mainstream, it was like, up. what about God? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So yeah. He- Polaroids are still a thing. He shows her a Polaroid of Hannah and then proceeds to try and get some boob touching in. Because he's like, oh, your boobs are bigger. That's so nasty. It's just so gross. And it makes me so glad I'm never going to be pregnant. Because the idea of somebody sexualizing my pregnant body makes me so angry. It makes me so angry i just like how some things are constant like you know it's still dudes hard being creeps yeah dudes are still gonna be creeps even at like the worst fucking time so she's like no no no, we don't want to hurt the baby and i'm like mm, that excuse is not gonna last oh i know girl like well i thought unfortunately i thought he was gonna make her perform fellatio honestly like as just like a logic exercise after I was like, he could have at least gotten a handy off of her. I know. I think that messes with Fred's perceived notion of being this hero to her. True. He always loves to be this white knight against Serena. And his, the thing that turns him on most mm-hmm. is being the person that can help her. And that's why I think Serena doesn't quite give him what he wants because Serena doesn't let him help her. I mean, yeah. for good reason. She doesn't need it. But this is why he falls for the handmaids because they need him. But it's also just so like, how do you get from the dynamic that they have where like she's clearly in charge mm-hmm. to fucking Gilead? Oh, God, I want to know so bad. Because I don't know, you know... <laughs> You know what? I would I would love for them to publish a woman's place mm-hmm. and then I could read or just like even an excerpt. Like, yeah. What does that look like? I want to know, too. I have a feeling, though, that it was post her getting hurt. He's like, you got to take it easy. Like, mm-hmm. you can't be loud and proud anymore. And isn't that what you're teaching? Taking it easy. And she's like, oh, shit, I guess. You know, that whole beautiful line in the book is like she's furious to be taken at her word. Yeah. I think it's kind of a gradual thing from her getting injured. So that was a gross scene. I hated it. I also hated it. Let's move on. This next scene is a Mexican standoff between <laughs> Serena Joy and June, and uh, it is horrible. We're not there yet. Damn it. It's new Rachel and Leah Center Day. Oh, that explains my note that says, damn it. When can I see the epilogue? <laughs> 
Okay, new Rachel and Leah. Yeah, so we're seeing all the handmaids and commanders are sort of filing in, and then we see Nick go up to Commander Price and ask him for help. He like begs him to be reassigned. He says, there's a lot about him, i.e. Fred, that I haven't told you. Protect the handmaid. And then Commander Price is like, you have my word. And I'm like, I'm going to need that in writing. They're going to kill Nick. Like, ooh, I never even thought of that. That makes sense. He is the weak link. Yeah. That's his way of saying, fine, you don't want to tell me anything? You're no longer useful to me. I don't Goodbye. think he's saying that he doesn't want to tell him. I think he's not telling him at that moment. I oh. think his point is, there's a bunch more shit that I know that I haven't told you. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, how do you wriggle out of that one and be like, why weren't you reporting on all right. this other shit? But the thing I thought is like, is this the first purge? Oh. And I wonder with what happens at the end of the episode, is that related to the purge? Because what we haven't seen from the trailer is when Serena Joy says, we need to know if there are terrorists in our house. Yes. Oh, shit. You're right. So anyway, I I think this is going to go somewhere really interesting. So I think Ooh. they kind of had Commander Price in the back pocket as a bit of like a sleeper great- plot activation. Oh, and you know what? Still no Bradley Whitford. I really don't think he's going to show up. I'm going to say episode nine. Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Now is your Mexican standoff because guess what? Serena's pissed. <laughs> All right. So this is brutal and awesome. So they both have leverage, a little bit of leverage, but not enough to completely win. Well, and I mean, just offered is like, I'm not hungry. I'm not going to eat. And if Aunt Lydia was there, this would not fly mm-hmm. at all. And it's so interesting to me, like the, the subtle gradations in power mm. between a pregnant handmaid and an aunt and a wife and oh. whatever the fuck Eden is. What color is she a wearing? Piccolo I know, player. I know that the coloring wasn't done on the copy that we saw on our screener. Oh, yeah. But it looked to me like Eden wears a blue dress and a gray sweater. And I'm very confused. Yeah, I don't really know. Because when we see Serena wearing a sweater, as she often does, it's quite chilly in Boston. Mm-hmm. It's always wife blue. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, I mean, is is she like a training wife? Or like, <laughs> what's the deal? That's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. So we do the whole drop the needle thing. And it's not like drop the needle. It's like throwing needles on the ground and making offered pick them up and offered does it once for serena joy uh-huh. and then she tells eden to try and she's saying blessed are the teachers and eden's just like eden is like not even a puppet i feel like puppets have more agency than eden <laughs> has yeah. like she's she's like a doll who's being moved from place to place mm. And, you know, it's like she's just constantly wandering around getting in everybody's way. Yeah. She can't cut carrots. Mm -mm. She apparently needs help picking up neat. I mean, I know this is a whole power play that Serena Joy is doing, Mm. but Alfred power plays right back and says she felt a cramp. It's not safe for the baby. I'm very scared. Yeah. I'm scared of this whole interaction. And then she goes upstairs and looks at her photo of Hannah, which is not even a good photo, by the way. And not even well hidden, girl. Like, oh, you are so frivolous. Yeah. Look, she's talking to Nick willy nilly. She's got her pictures lying around. Oh, my God. She's wearing her old band shirts. Like, she's just (laughs) doesn't give a fuck. And I wish she did. June seems like the kind of person who would own a Clash (laughs) shirt, but have never listened to the Clash. Yeah. (laughs) Or like a CBGB shirt and be like, one day. Guilty. I think I did own a CBGB shirt from Delia's. Listen, or I circled it in the Delia's catalog several times and my mom wouldn't let me buy it. I blame Rory Gilbert. 
Oh, who's not in this episode? <laughs> All right. Are we at the final? Yeah, no wonder this episode is so rough. We don't have any fun jaunts in the colonies. <laughs> uh, are we at the final scene? We are at the final scene. Woo! So the commander is speaking to all the other commanders, and the handmaids are like upstairs in the gallery, and they're like outside these windows. And Offglen is there, and she breaks away from her line and goes inside. And Fred doesn't even talk to her. He's <laughs> like, "Tell her to go back outside. It's not oh, time it's yet. Not, sorry, it's not time yet. Go get out." <laughs> And she, do you think she's trying to warn the other girls here? It's unclear to me because she has a detonator mm-hmm. in her hand. And she, again, we didn't have the finished effect. So there might be explosions <laughs> that we like didn't see. I don't know because she clicks the detonator. Uh-huh. The girls outside see it and they start to run away. Well, she holds it aloft. Right. And she holds it, it aloft. So I think she's trying to be like, hey, mm-hmm. get out of here. And mm-hmm. then she turns around and runs and lets go. And she is a suicide bomber. She has the mm-hmm. explosives strapped to her body. And mm-hmm. again, I bet there's a real big explosion that we didn't I know. see. I bet it's amazing. Because <laughs> it was chilling to see it slow motion, all the handmaids running yeah. away. And I mean, and I, like the ones upstairs. <sighs> Sorry, BBs. And so this is interesting to me for a couple reasons. Is Fred now going to be a casualty of a quote unquote terrorist attack? I hope so. I think he's not going to die. Oh, what if he did die? <clears throat> what if all the men died? That's Yay. the question I wake to and think of before I go to bed. I think Fred can't die because there's some, some trailer scenes we haven't seen. Okay. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. his beating someone, right. I think Serena is still coming, but he doesn't look worse for the wear in that scene. So maybe that's a flashback. I don't know. Well, so the other thing, remember Alma said to June, mm-hmm. Mayday is done with handmaids. Yeah. So Who is this, this a new group? Yeah. Was Mayday just done with Alma? Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously. April day. Huh? April day <laughs> is the name of it. Yeah, there's no French analog, but uh, gets the job done. July week. July week, yeah. <laughs> Bur- it's birthday week, and it's started by Shannon. There you go. We did it. I was just thinking. I was like, we haven't done any Shannon. And, I know. And the chickens are going to be restless. <laughs> what would Okay, what would Shannon's reaction be to seeing off Glenn with a bomb? Oh, my God. You're going to ruin Everything. It's my birthday week. <laughs> for the people who are just joining us, we made a joke season one that if you paid for stuff with mostly gift cards, Gilead wouldn't affect you for a long time. <laughs> Ergo, we made up a character whose birthday it just was when Gilead started named Shannon. And she's real bratty about everything and kind of gets her way. There you go. Oh, my God. If a suicide bomber comes to Chili's, I'm going to be so cranky it is my birthday month year it is it is my birthday gilead at this point i believe she comes up in episode two of our hulu handmaid so yeah we'll figure it out anyway this season has been so dark it hasn't quite been shannon appropes yeah at any rate this building apparently gets blown up, which we are looking forward to seeing in reality. <laughs> the credits music. Ah. I was so excited. It's X-Ray Specs. Yes. Oh, Bondage. Up Yours. One of the first things that Amy put on a mixed CD. Oh. CDs, Molly. What's Were this? these round discs. Uh-huh. They were like silvery and you could burn things on them uh-huh. with fire. Oh, you mean an iPod? <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's an anyway, iPod. Anyway, um, but for whatever reason, I you know, it was probably like an illegally downloaded copy, but like it Whoa. didn't have the the first bit that was like, some people think little girls ought to be nice. <laughs> but I say, I'm bondage, up yours. And uh, it's just like the most jarring, yeah. annoying punk song of all time. And it is phenomenal. So good. Mm-hmm. I listened to it after this and the lyrics are just perfect. <laughs> Anyway, it's a great song. That's the end of that episode. Woof. I think this is our longest TV show recap. I know. Sorry, ever. guys, but you I know what? think they not are a- commutes. We're, yeah. we're a delight. Don't apologize. I regret not a second of this yeah. discussion. So if you want to spend even yet still more time with us, you can follow <laughs> Molly on Twitter at Sirius Molly. You can follow Kelly on Twitter at Kelly Anakin. And you can find us on Facebook. We're going to have a lively discussion about my incendiary remarks at the beginning <laughs> of this episode. And also, please rate and review us on the iTunes store. Five stars only, please. Please. And yeah, um, check out our awesome sponsors. Please patronize them. They make this podcast possible. Anything else? Oh, yeah. Tell everybody about us. Yeah, you you guys are doing a fantastic job. We really, really appreciate the referrals. Downloads are up. Morale is high. Things are going great for old red all over <laughs> shout out to natasha vinnick who reposts us every chance she gets yes uh, you a lot are of phenomenal a lot of people do that but that is my friend natasha so I just oh hey out. friend natasha i've always wondered who she was she's a fantastic comedian wonderful okay. take good care and as always no lite teba stardes carborundorum no 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 i don't even know it's photographed by nickelback Every time it makes me laugh. <laughs> 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 <laughs>